listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Wire World Pro Audio. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez, and before we get going, let me introduce everyone. And let me tell you, today we've got some truly special people joining us. First of all, on my... Well, you know what? I really can't do that. I haven't figured out how to do this, but we'll just start with the one and only Mr. Nick Peck. Hello, lady and gentlemen. Mike, it's such a pleasure to be with you guys again. And someone there who I'm delighted to see, but I'll wait until you introduce. <laughs> and also joining us from Tahiti is Mr. Bobby Osinski. Hi, Mike. Hi, everybody. And followed by the man in the cave, Mr. Brandon Burnside. <laughs> What's up, guys? Hi, Mike. And finally, the audio, the Iron Man of the Audio Now cast, Mr. This is the 202nd show in a row, Rob Arbiter. Hello, Mike. Hello, everyone. And today, guys, I'm so excited because we've got uh, my partner in crime, the producer extraordinaire, Miss Bliss McGinnis, joining us. Hi, everybody. So happy to be here. <laughs> and then uh, we have a really great guest uh, joining us all the way from Canada, Mr. Scott Howarth. Good evening, everyone, all of the panelists, as it were, and uh, to all seven of your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm told. I, I agree with the facts. He might be overestimating a little bit today. I don't know. <laughs> it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Oh, it's great. Scott, actually, he uh, wrote an email, and he had a suggestion for doing a podcast. And he was telling me all the stuff that he did. And uh, I, uh, I said, why don't you just join us? Why don't you just join us as, as a guest? Because it sounded great. And um, he decided to join us. So, Scott, so glad you're here. So glad you've joined us. Well, thanks for putting up with me. I've lost my feed some. Ah, maybe I'll just unmute my mic. I'm sorry. You're, you're, <laughs> suddenly the, the video came up on the screen and I lost track of where everything was. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to visit with Scott because we have some really great things to talk to him about. Um, but first, I want, to, I want to start off. I need to do a public service announcement, okay? And this is just because I know our podcast and our seven listeners are all over the world. <laughs> and uh, it's, look, it's really tense right now with the virus. It really is. It's really hard. But like in California, where I'm at in Orange County, they opened the beaches and everybody flocked to them. And like there was no social distancing or anything. And then the governor ended up having to close all the beaches in California again. Two things. Number one, if you're going to go outside, social distancing. And number two, don't be protesting all this stuff because it's the social distancing and the fact that we are staying home that's really kept the numbers down. You know, if you just look at the science and look what's happening, you know, I mean, they're having armed people going into Michigan, you know, trying to lift the, uh, the ban, the stay at home orders and things like that. And I just like, just look, we're so close. It could get bad. Um, it can get really bad if we don't do this. So I just wanted to, I, I was just reading that and that just was something I just wanted to mention, you know, stay, stay at home, social distancing and working. I know hey, we're getting close. The curve is getting flattened and especially in California, we've done such a great job. Um, so just stay there. Just, just have some patience and then be like Nick, 
make masks for everybody, which is fantastic. Yeah. I will, I will point out that uh, Gavin Newsom, who's the governor of California, I read something today. Uh, thank you, Mike. I read something today in which he said, uh, political pressure will not change my mind. Protests will not change my mind. Public opinion will not change my mind. The only thing that will open up California is the data. It's the science. And that's it. And I am so glad that he is standing pat on that because he knows, he knows, man. And yeah, and right. our curves are not that flat. I was looking at them this afternoon. We're definitely a few weeks behind New York. Yeah, we're, we're a few weeks behind. But the one thing that is <clears throat> happening is the, you know, the expectations and the projections aren't nearly as bad as what, as what they thought. Because, let's face it, he shut the state down. Yeah. As soon, like, we were one of the first states to get shut down. So anyhow, I just had to mention that because I had to, uh, I had to do my part um, for the seven listeners that are out there. Uh, so... Well, Look, they're definitely I'm, more than six feet apart. We know that. Surface area of the earth divided by seven. You know, I want to I want to bring something up, and and I'll open this up for everybody. But have you guys during this this uh, virus and being um, the stay at home order? Have you guys any of you dug into something or done something different? That now that you have the time to, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I'll start it off. I dug into programming both my sequential um, synths that I have, the Prophet 12 and the, the Prophet X. And I wore my shirt, Prophet X, <clears throat> in honor of that. Because it's like, they're so deep. And like, they're just deep. And you get into the programming and you get into like making your own sounds. And it's just, and I'm like, I would have never taken the time to do this because... I was just so busy and I'm busy now, but at least when I want to have a little variance in my daily routine, I'll just go do something like that. And so, I don't know, I'm opening it up. Has anybody done anything that they have, you know, time for now that they wouldn't have done before, whether it's digging into a new synth or just, I don't know. That's why I'm opening it up. I'll start with you, Brandon. Uh, well, I don't really have more time. I have less time than I did before because <laughs> I'm homeschooling my kids and doing my audio stuff. But that aside, I did do one thing that I've been putting off for a while and wanted to do. I revamped my whole sort of uh, mixing template and setup and, uh, wow. and everything. I've been very inspired by watching stuff on Mix with the Masters by guys like Michael Brower and his multibus you know, mixing approach and like Andrew Sheps and his parallel compression mixing approach and sort of uh you know set it up my version of that you know combined with my sort of hybrid rig thing going on so yeah got that experimenting with that and digging it how about you miss bliss have you have you dug into anything new where do i begin (laughs) (laughs) plenty of things Uh, i feel like i have so much time and more flexibility with my schedule working from home no commute um I've been getting into this incredible um, mandala uh, breathwork yoga course. Um, it's really intensive. It's three times a day wow. with uh, this incredible master. Um, his name's Chris Tai, Z Modern Monk. And um, I just have to give him a shout out because he is so incredible. Um, but yeah, I just feel so invigorated and renewed because of that. And it's gotten me really creative to want to get back into art and singing, and recording and uh, editing off Da Vinci and just everything. That's fantastic. Of it all. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. And she has been busy. She has been creative. This is our, our third Zoom call this week. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> a lot of stuff going on. How about you, Bobby? You, you, you dug into anything new? No, absolutely nothing. I've been too busy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best answer ever. <laughs> uh, how about you, Nick? Oh God. Well, I'm, I, yeah, I, I'm in the Brandon Burnside school of uh, having to be a homeschooling parent, which is the most difficult. And <laughs> you, you know, they say that parenting yep. is like the most rewarding job, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Homeschool parenting in, in, during COVID-19 is not rewarding in any way. It just <laughs> straight up sucks. It's just absolutely terrible uh. <laughs> <laughs> because it's incredibly distracting and, yeah. you know, trying to work and trying to, I know that I speak for parents around the globe who have, you know, who have children that are, you know, 12 and under that are struggling to try to get some semblance of education into their heads while yeah. battling them because we're not their teachers, we're their parents. So I've been doing that, but also a ton of creativity. As I've said in previous uh, episodes, I've been still doing a ton of masks and things for uh, Uni University of Southern California Medical Center. Uh, I just finished another couple of videos. There we go. There we are. And uh, spending the spending the time to try to finish wiring up my studio which uh has been going a little slowly and then when i'm done with that i've got like all of these 1970s era vintage keyboards that all need to have all of their power supply capacitors replaced so that's <laughs> gonna be awesome yeah maybe you'll have enough time to do a second patch on your modular system <laughs> maybe <on>. i will <laughs> Are your, kids, are your kids on all your Zoom calls? Because all uh, the people I work with who are parents, like their kids always end up on the Zoom calls with them. They, they, they come in. Well, my daughter is with her mom tonight, so she's not here. Uh, but my son is, oh, this is so, this is yet another parenting thing that, that parents of teenagers will understand. My son is sulking in his room because our ping time isn't fast enough to the internet for him to be competitive in playing Fortnite with his friends. My friends all have 10 millisecond ping. Why is it 70 milliseconds for me? Hey, ah, hey. Ah, ah. You know what? I'm just gonna say, that's practically child abuse, okay? That's practically child abuse. Uh, I, I know, I, I, I know, I'm a terrible parent. As, as, really a, as, as someone who just signed up for the Call of Duty Mobile global <laughs> tournament, oh, your ping is everything. I'm just gonna tell you, your ping is everything. What's your ping, Mike? Oh, my ping, my ping's in the 40s, 30s, 40s. So, yeah, I kind of rule right now, but I'm going to get knocked out probably in like round three. I, I, <laughs> if I make it past round three, then I'll be okay. Um, but uh, I'll tell you something else. See, you have little kids, but when they get older, like I have a daughter who's a junior, they actually get smarter than you. So she's in all these AP classes. So I can't help her anyhow. She's already, she's already bypassed me. So it's like. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> no, it's all you're really Rob, how about you? How about you, brother? I know you just like. I just checked. My ping is 13 milliseconds. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have any kids, so I'm wasting. Okay. As he vocalizes. Exactly. That's not quite quick enough. The kids require 10, right? Yeah. I have 13. Oh, well. Uh, well, that's, but see, that's, that's your, your system ping, but then in game, your ping could actually go slower. So, okay. That's a whole nother. Good thing to know. To talk about. <laughs> uh, How about I'm you, Rob? In the Bobby camp, I've been so busy. I, I have at times slowed down a little bit to 
uh, take some LinkedIn learning courses, which used to be lynda.com, which is one of my favorite ways to learn new skills because I'm working on some crazy deep technical projects right now where there's some aspects I needed some education on. So I'm homeschooling myself. I guess that's called homeschooling. Uh, and I've taken some time out along the way to do some of that. But other than that, I'm just uh, working, working, working. How about you, Scott? Down in uh, and or up in Canada? What down in Canada? Gosh, <laughs> me? I told you. <laughs> you go to Minneapolis and drive about 500 miles straight north, and then you'll be where I am. Um, I'm obviously considerably older than you, all of you, because all of my kids are long gone. I think my youngest is approaching 30. So I don't have a lot of homeschooling to do. And of course, my, my, as far as working at the university, it's shut down, it's locked. I could still go in, the students can't. So there's not much to do there. So all I've been doing is, uh, I, I have many more years than most of you of collections of spare parts and important things that I'm sure I'm going to need someday. <laughs> so I've just been trying to uh, kind of sort through that. And I'm pretty good, you know, I, even though it's not terribly organized, I can go to, you know, almost walk directly up to whatever it is I'm looking for and find it, except for when it's for me. So I'm slowly digging through all of that. And it's also <laughs> possible to do now because I could open, it's finally gotten warm enough here that I can open the garage door and uh, sort of spread things to the outdoors to have room to sort. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. That is impressive. Because <laughs> for me, I just throw more stuff in the garage. <laughs> it's like to, for you to actually start sorting out is pretty good. Yeah, cool. but I've probably got 25 years on you. You'll have to do this eventually, you know. <laughs> uh, well, hey, yeah, it's a, it's a strange world. But uh, if you're out there, you know, now's the time to, to dig into the sense, to dig into the plugins. You know, there's, there's more behind that technology than just a preset. So just dig into something new if you have some time, unless you're like Rob or Bobby or Brandon and you have no time at all. Then I'm sorry. Gotta make a living too. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I don't know when you're going to do that, but uh, yeah. Anyhow, let's move on. Um, let's talk with Scott. Um, Scott was a listener to our podcast, and he sent me an email, like I said earlier, and it, he wanted to do a podcast on um, recording orchestras. And then he s s put a little blurb in the email about himself, and he actually used to work for the Canadian Broadcasting Company, and now he's an adjunct professor over at Brandon University in Canada. And um, I said, why don't you just join us for the podcast? And he was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. And then I, he said, when? And I said, tomorrow. <laughs> and, and the rest is history. And now Scott's here. But I think, you know, just a little bit, you told me about yourself, Scott. I think you should just tell everybody what you've done and what you did over at the Canadian Broadcasting Company and some of the projects you worked on. Um, there, a lot of it, it was involved uh, like I worked in on the radio mobile, a, a crew of two, and we had this lovely truck with uh, various generations of recording gear, like not just piled into it, but it was a lovely recording, you know, per properly designed uh, recording thing. And we go all over the place recording the local symphony orchestra, the chamber orchestras, all the jazz guys. Um, one of my favorite gigs of the year was the Winnipeg Folk Festival, which is internationally re renowned. We would do a bunch of pre-recorded stuff there, but on the last night of the Folk Festival, we'd go live to air to the whole Canadian network um, 
for four or five hours with, and of course it's a folk festival, you know, you 20 minutes before the next act is coming on, somebody would throw the door open and hand us a little scrap of paper with a list of what instrument was going to be on there. So an SM58 that was on a guitar for this set is going to be on a didgeridoo for the next set, you know, but the, the most, and, and aside from the music part of it, just being, just like um, sports, music has a season, at least the, the, the cultured music, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> so in the off, in the off season for music, I do regular radio, which was always really, really interesting. I could do anything from sit in a, in a little booth to turn on a mic once an hour for somebody to come in and read the weather or do produced shows and uh, got to listen to or participate in as a tech anyway, a lot of really, really interesting interviews with all kinds of people, you know, from Tiny Tim to Elvis impersonators. Wait, the Tiny Tim? The Tiny Tim. <laughs> You'd be surprised. He's, he was a very intelligent man. Uh, all, uh, the sort of ditzy act was kind of a put on, I think. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's incredible. Don't, you're the first person I know who recorded Tiny Tim. So that's why. I'm well, Tiny Tim talking. Yeah. It's uh, although ukulele and that funny voice, I guess wouldn't have been all that difficult to do, but it, you'd need a lot of auto tune these days to fix it though. <laughs> but the, 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 the most satisfying parts of it are what I think doing a, a lot of recording when uh, the room that you're recording in is as much a part of how, what creates the sound as are the microphones and the players and the instruments and everything else, you know, cause everything is, there are no close microphones. Everything is a minimum of three or four feet away. And in many cases, much further. So it's a real kick to, uh, to uh, put up a bunch of microphones and, never tweak an EQ, you know, make your changes if, as long as time allows. Wow. Uh, by moving a microphone, changing a microphone. Um, you know, fortunately we're in a market where there aren't all that many venues. So you'd kind of get a, uh, a reasonable indication of where things need to go without having to experiment too much. Cause of course, especially when it's a large, large formal organization like an orchestra where everybody's getting paid and uh, you all know that the, when it's thousands of dollars per hour uh, to keep everybody there, they're not going to wait around for, uh, for us to, to reset or anything like that. Right. So, but I mean, just uh, learning how to use microphones and uh, take into account so many other things, is, it's a real kick. Now, were you recording, like when you did the orchestras, were you doing, like, were you micing all the individual players or were you doing a, an orchestra with like the, the audio files do where you just basically take a stereo microphone? Yeah, well, that's the difference, see, between the, uh, uh, we'll call it the Deutsche Grammophon type of recording and recording the same number of players on a, on a, a Hollywood soundstage. We we never ever ind uh, mic things individually because the, this the that doesn't that's not the sound that's uh, that the uh, the big record companies really want to hear right that kind of music everything is at a distance 
ideally, you'd have one uh, stereo array, whether it be, you know, some sort of a coincident array or a spaced array, and that would be it, other than a couple of, whoops, a couple of mics to, to pick up something back from the room. Now, you'd have to, especially since we didn't have a lot of time for retakes and that sort of thing, that wasn't the, you know, the end all of it, because we'd mic individual sections and occasionally individual instruments like if there's a piano in that would have something on its own the harp always needed some help but you'd have a single mic or a pair on the woodwind section right. uh, in the brass and things like that but never micing individual instruments right because you were going for the sound of the orchestra as a giant instrument and well, uh, along with what the room sounded like right you were going for the whole package yeah it's we'd always say that we're trying to make it sound like you're sitting in a good seat in the hall which is not at all you know, there's just no comparison to sitting and hearing things acoustically and hearing it back through a set of speakers but uh, we'd never want to hear that the close detailed sound of a whole group of violins it's uh, sure you know and it, it just we used first of all a lot more of the room but it, it just changed the, the, changes the sound when it's not as close in and detailed. It's been my experience in, are we, are we still on? I just got a strange thing here. I um, hold, hold on one second. Yeah. You're sharing screen, Mike. What? Somebody's sharing screen. Oh, there we go. Okay, we're better. <laughs> Scott, I had a quick question for you, but I just wanted to preface it by saying it's certainly been my experience being in orchestral dates that, um, that the sound close to a section isn't right. It needs time for the music to bloom. It has to like rise up and blend together. And I think that's oh. the magic of a silky string section, at least in my experience. Oh, no, I, I agree with you completely. If you uh, consider, you know, like a violin, uh, if you look at the Cladini patterns, have you ever seen that where they actually put uh, particles on... Mm. Uh, on the back of a violin, we'll say, and then and oscillate it with, uh, you know, introduce various tones to it. And you can see these patterns forming on it. So you, what you're seeing is the resonant uh, properties of various points on the violin. And it's all of those points together that have to, 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 uh, to blend together at some distance before you hear the true sound of a violin. You start sticking 4099s, you know, just behind the bridge or something like that, you're getting one or two of those areas of resonance, but not the full sound of the, of the, the instrument. So it's exactly what you were saying. It needs to have some distance and to bloom. We want to, unless it's a solo instrument, at, even at which you wouldn't have any, any microphone within two or three feet of the soloist, but as, as a section of first violins, there may be two mics within the section, if depending on how big it is, how many players are in the section, but nothing is closer than about five or six feet away from that section. It's to the point where you'd have to be careful if you used any of those tracks uh, recorded of various instrumental sections. You can't push them too hard because you've also got like the second violins leaking in or when you're sort of in the interior of the orchestra in the woodwinds and things like that. If you start pushing the low woodwinds too hard, you've got trombones leaking in. So not only do you have level differences, but things start to swing around in the stereo field, you know, as you're pushing those things in and out. Uh, you know what? That's, 
that's just, it's like this premix that has to happen on your mic placement before you even hit record, which is, you know, that's a lost art. That's a really a lost art because A, people don't have those opportunities to do anymore, but B, just knowing your microphone well enough to do that. And what you were talking about with all the little resonance points for a violin in order for it to sound like a violin, that, you know, if you're out there listening to this and, and you are micing a violin or really any instrument that resonates like that, and sometimes you get a great sound if you back your mic off a little bit. You don't have to be right up there. You don't have oh, to be yeah, right yeah. up in it. You know? But the other, the other important um, factor in all of this is the conductor. Right. Because it's that person's ears who they are actually pushing the faders by bringing more, mm-hmm. out, of, bringing more out of a certain section, causing dynamics changes and... Uh, even, uh, you know, telling players to, you know, like giving Boeing information and things like that in in order to change the sound. So, you know, there are all these factors. So the engineer is only one of them. Wow. That is, that's incredible. Let me ask you a question. Let's, that was, man, I just went to school on how to record an orchestra. That was fantastic. But so the, the records that you were making and the recordings for the Canadian broadcasting company, how, how did that work? Was that, did that get pressed and released under their own label? Like, where can we find some of this stuff? Well, the, the largest majority by far were broadcast recordings. There were, we, the CBC used to uh, have programs, uh, national programs, where we would feature uh, live recordings made from various orchestras, including a lot of them from within Canada. So every day. There was, there was a program where it would be the Toronto Symphony today, the Winnipeg <clears throat> Symphony tomorrow, the Berlin Phil the day after. So the, the large majority of it was for broadcast, but we also had a record label. And on occasion, we would uh, go and record, and I'm going way, you know, way back, just after wax cylinders. Um, you know, we'd be, we actually, I was doing this back when it was vinyl records and well into the time that we were doing CDs as well, which... Is, is something a little bit different because doing a CD, you've got to hopefully enough time to go back and fix things, record various segments uh, and go back and do a lot of editing. editing. But for the broadcast, uh, we would typically record two entire performances. There'd always be a performance on, let's say, Friday night and another one on Saturday night. And we'd record both of those. And if something horrible happened during the, the middle movement of a piece on Friday night, we might swap that movement in and use that movement from the Saturday performance. So we you know, pick, pick and choose between the two performances. But even from day to day, even if we didn't have to strike the stage, move mics and things, of course, which would make it very difficult to get exactly the, the right, the same sound the next day. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult enough to, to uh, match a human voice just speaking on two different days or two different times of the day. Yeah. So we wouldn't be going within and, you know, editing a phrase in or as, we, you know, we do now drop in a, a note or two here and there or go in and, and uh, fix pitch on something. Bobby, you were going to say something? Yeah, Scott, uh, I have a question for you about building the mix. The way I was always taught with an orchestra was you go from the highest to the lowest, which is quite the opposite from doing a band, for instance. So you'd start with the violins and then move your way down. Uh, Is that the way that that you did it, or is there another way that you built your mix? Well, 
we didn't know. It's, it's not like, at least for me and the way we did it, and this, from what I can tell, it was a, it's pretty universal. We start by listening to our main pair or array whatever, you know, years ago, it used to coincident uh, pairs were all the rage. That's the sound that everybody wanted. Now it's uh, spaced arrays, like AB arrays across the front, all in, of omnis. And, 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 you know, sometimes you could fiddle with a decatree and Faulkner arrays and things like that. But we start with the sound of the array and move that back and forth, up and down to where we got the best overall sound and then just pick, sorry, I keep whacking my uh, mic boom here. I'm gesticulating loudly. Um, Your motto array. <laughs> but the, uh, then anything else that came in, uh, just to make, you know, French horns, for instance, you usually weigh at the back of the orchestra. So even though they're fairly loud and majestic sounding, quite often they, they, they would just sound more distant. So we put a little bit of the, the accent mics, as we call the section mics, add a little bit of that just to bring them a little more clear into focus, into the picture. And then other times certain instruments might need a boost just to, during a certain passage or something like that uh, just because we <clears throat> this never ever happened by the way disagreed with what the compo or the conductor thought it should be <laughs> um so but but it's it's not yeah we it's not like um mixing a, a rock band you know when we start with a kick drum add in the bass get a good solid foundation and work our way up because there isn't necessarily always a solid foundation to start from you know right. we or, or a low low end foundation and we might go you know several minutes into the piece before the bass has even started to play wow that's pretty incredible that's uh that it, it's such it, it kind of seems like you have to spend as much time just walking through the room, just getting to know the space that you're recording. Like, like yeah, and well, I, I've heard, I've heard stories of, you know, the audiophile guys spending like half a day to a full day, just trying to figure out where they're going to place their two microphones or where they're going to put their, their array at just because they just walk around and they just, just want to study the acoustics of the room. Did you come into that? Well, in in certain circumstances, never ever with an orchestra because there just wasn't enough time. I got you. Um, we'd, you know, for, for the broadcast um, performances, our sound check was a two-hour rehearsal the morning of the first concert. So, and that meant, you know, driving in the truck, getting to the hall, loading things in, getting it set up and getting it just from experience, having a, a some sort of an idea of where things needed to go. Wow. So there wasn't a lot of time for fooling around. Uh, smaller groups, though, um, you know, in quartets, small chamber groups, uh, you know, soloists, uh, trios and things like that, um, quite often weren't as strict about uh, the rehearsal being exactly, you know, two hours and 40 minutes. Right. You know, plus 20 minutes of break, et cetera. So you'd have time and, and depending on who some, uh, I have to say that uh, some, a lot of the times we owned the whole show. So CB, the, the whole reason why there was a concert would be because CBC commissioned it. Other times the concert would, was existing already and CBC would pay a bump up on the musician's fees in order to come in and pick it up. So when we owned it, 
we could, we basically had complete control over even the rehearsals. We could say, look, take a five minute break. We're going to change all these microphones and try something different. And you on this instrument, we'd like you to move a foot back and we'd like you to come closer and that sort of thing. Wow. But that was only when we had complete control, which wasn't all that often in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in all, in all those, in all performances, sometimes you have control, sometimes you have no control. In Stevie Wonder's yeah. case, we had no control. <laughs> hey, but really quick. So of all these different performances that you've done, um, tell me your favorite one. Like what's, what's your one or two favorite recordings you've ever recorded? Um, well, we did uh, Benjamin Britten's War Requiem with the Winnipeg mm. Symphony and a 900, or no, there were a total of 900 people on the stage for it. It's a big, majestic, I mean, it's the War Requiem. So you can just imagine just from the title what the music was sounded like. It was such a big orchestra, they could, we, we couldn't put the acoustic shell in because there were just too many people to fit in there. But it's one of those situations that... Uh, 900? Well, there was 100 in the orchestra. Because wow. it's a big orchestra. They bring in, like, not... It's not always a 100-piece orchestra. Sure. They bring in a lot of extra players. But it was this huge, huge choir. Yeah. Wow. Which... Uh, that, I bet that sounded phenomenal. That, was the, that must have been amazing. I can only imagine. Yeah. Another, another favorite one was that this was not an orchestral thing as much, although it included a small orchestra, but we used to not, it wasn't only musical things we do. We do other, like the, our television component. Um, they were very well, we were all very well equipped, but television's audio facilities were good enough to do a football game or something like that. But when it came to doing mm. music or other special things, we were called in. So we once, at the opening of Expo 86 in Vancouver, we did the opening ceremonies, which was a real kick because we were the host broadcaster. So anybody, any broadcaster in the world that was hearing this was getting it from us. So that, that was the World's Fair, right? That happened at... Well, that's, yeah, that's Expo. It's, I guess it used to be called the World's Fair, but it was a big deal, you know? Yeah. Prince Charles and Lady Diana were there with high security and all that. Wow. But we did it in this enormous football stadium uh, called BC place in Vancouver. And they had a choir. We had to sing well, God save the queen and Oh Canada or the, the whole place did. But there was an eight second reverb tail in that place. But, and just walking out into the middle of it, Imagine uh, 25,000 people all trying to sing to a band that was playing the accompaniment to O Canada, but they're, they're hearing the cues late. So the people in the, in the way up in the cheap seats are hearing and singing along with something that happened two seconds ago. So it almost turned into uh, a round, like a cannon, you know, row, row, row your boat. Now you start, you know, some pretty interesting stuff. (laughs) I have, se- I have several questions, if that's okay. I hope um, I have intelligent answers, sorry. Um, the first one that I have for you, Scott, is <laughs> I think I know the answer to this, but do you read music and do you have an orchestral score, like the conductor's score with you when you're working with some of these things? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You have to. You can't. Uh, you, you can't. That, that was actually, 
part of uh, when the, when they actually created the position of recording engineer, it was partway through my time there. But we were some of us were grandfathered into us into it. There were two of us in Winnipeg. But anybody that came into that afterwards, you had to apply for it. It was more money, etc. But they used to have a what they call a drop the needle test. Oh, so they bring out a record of you know, a couple of concertos or something like that, drop the, put, put the score in front of you, drop the, the needle on the record in a random spot and gave you a minute to find out where you were in the score. So yeah, if you couldn't read, like you couldn't, you, I guess, suppose you could do the live recordings because there, you really weren't going to go back and do any editing or anything afterwards other than whole movements. But you know, if you're doing a, a uh, a studio recording where you're going to read like a, in a concerto, you'll record a whole movement, get a decent take of a whole movement and then start listening to the, the bits and pieces that you want to re-record. And you couldn't possibly um, edit that just based on what you can hear by ear. You know, you'd have to be, if you can't read the score, it's like trying to drive with, you know, with um, uh, blinders on. That's, that's incredible. That is just, that's just a whole different era, a whole different mindset back in the day. Hey, Scott, we're going to have to wrap a little, yeah. this section up with you a little bit, but before we, you know, move on to something else, where can we hear any of this stuff? Does the CBC have a, an archive that we can tap into if we wanted to hear any of the stuff you recorded? Some of it, some of it yeah, there, there is an archive, but I don't, it's, it's only accessible to, like if you're doing a, a show on, on a CBC show and you want to pick up something uh, from, you know, sometime in the past, they, the archives department who are struggling because we're doing, having to do a lot of things like baking tape and that sort of thing, especially in the, even though it's newer, the, the dats are much, much worse than, uh, than a quarter inch tape ever was. But it's not really available to the public yet and it's nowhere near done. I gotcha. And it, and and it would not even be complete anyway. We do. I hardly have any copies of what I did because we were doing it all like, like I say on analog tape or on dat. Um, it wasn't long after we went to start recording on hard drives and things before I left. So, I gotcha. but, but in those days, you know, I'm not going to spend $50 on tape to bring back a copy of something I recorded. We were out, you know, five, six, seven days a week doing this. I couldn't possibly afford to. Yeah. Well, so you know, there's not a lot of it that's that's publicly available anymore and the shows that used to feature this stuff are long gone well i'm just gonna keep googling cdc and see if anything ever opens up because <laughs> some of this stuff sounds phenomenal it sounds like i'd really like to hear it but it's just it's, it's a it's shame a, it's a very different world now yeah. the, the 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 company is it's just been emasculated it's one of those situations where people with accounting degrees are now making broadcasting decisions and ruining any, everything. The department I left, uh, when I, when I left, there were 21 people, there's one left. Wow. Because they just don't do any production anymore. Everything's farmed out. Wow. Well, thank you so much for uh, sharing us a little insight, sharing with us a little insight. And uh, well, thanks for listening to my boring story. No, it's not boring at all. Anything Look, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is seriously, Scott. Like this is a part of recording that is so foreign to me because I'm all into rock and roll and electronica and stuff like that. But you know, back in the day, where you just really you didn't have the the technological crutches that we have nowadays, it's it's pretty amazing. And actually, you know, your story. Sh- 
show that sometimes the old way is the good way, especially when you're talking about miking instruments and things like that. You know, the, the way you explain it to me with the resonance points and things like that, that makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. Yeah, so, well, it's, it's just a different way of doing things. Like miking a, a violin is a completely different thing. You're, you're sure. going after completely different sounds than, than uh, putting a mic in front of an electric guitar amplifier. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 we expect different things as a result of what we're doing. So it's completely different. But yeah, I have to that, say, you know, classical music wasn't all we did. We were very, uh, it was by far the majority, but we did everything from uh, Big Scary Daddy by Skinny Puppy and, you know, everything, a chair and a pair of folkies. I, I've done David Lindley and El Rayo X and uh, Taj Mahal and uh, wow. all kinds of other interesting stuff, all in live concerts, you know. Well, that's fantastic. We're, we're, you know what? We're going to have you back when we talk about folk and folk music. Folk. <laughs> I'm no expert. I know. I'll tell you one thing, though. Um, contact mics, man. The worst thing you could do, it, even though it's so necessary for acoustic instruments. You know, everybody throws a contact mic on, on everything nowadays. And it's like, you know, compared to what you can get with a properly mic'd uh, instrument, it's, it's pretty amazing. So thank you, Scott. for You're very, for very welcome. Advice. Thank you. Hey, so we're going to be moving on, um, and uh, a couple things I want to talk about before we have to start wrapping this up, but uh, one thing I want to say is, uh, and I, I brought Miss Bliss back because we're releasing another episode of Spaces, and we're releasing our Nashville episode, and it's actually, we, had, we shot two episodes of, uh, of Spaces in Nashville, and um, it's such a great, great um, city and it's such a great music city and they're they're hurting right now but i mean it was in this episode it's pretty fun because we went to blackbird and we went to their their uh legendary mic vaults and uh it was pretty amazing i mean wouldn't you say i mean going to blackbird and getting the tour that we got was just it was I, unbelievable i mean i can't even get over that it was real and i'm so happy we recorded every moment for you all to see and enjoy and for everyone to see and enjoy and just uh i mean wow are they like wouldn't you love to like be trapped there in covid right now <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean they had some microphones that i've never seen and not like i've seen all the microphones but just some weird you know the the old uh hollywood rca skunk mics i don't know if you guys know what those look like but you know those are the two balls on one side and they put a white line so that they knew where the ribbon was lined up and stuff like that and mm. and just it's such a smart facility just the way they have it organized and yet at the same time it feels like like home, right? Would you say, Bliss, it just feels very, very homey, very, very uh, friendly. Absolutely. So cozy, so warm. The people are so kind and welcoming. Um, yeah, it's like you just want to create and, and do amazing things there. And that's all that comes out of there anyway. And it all works. So their reverb chamber, they have a reverb chamber that has, you know, a, you can change the dimensions of it. It can go super high or super tight. And it's just, they have like, I think they have like 1200 snare drums and they have like every Marshall, every guitar amp, every bass amp you could ever think of. And what's amazing is if you book time at Blackbird, you have access to all of it. Like they're not going to, you know, nickel and dime you for any of the gear, which is pretty phenomenal. It's just, it's really great. Plus and there's an Academy. Yeah. So what other recording studios can say that? <laughs> yeah. They're the Blackbird. 
Yeah, we've actually spoke at the Blackbird Academy a, a couple times, and it's the kids are always great, and they get the best education there, and so it's pretty amazing um, what what's happening over. But you know, Nashville itself, it just what a great studio vibe, and and I wish I wish LA kind of had the camaraderie that that Nashville has, and and it, LA studio vibe isn't nearly quite as tight as you get with with the studio vibe that you do over at Nashville. And, and I don't know, I mean, maybe it does. Bobby, maybe you can chime in on this about the studios. Do you, do you I know you've been to Nashville and, and um, what do you think LA studio vibes? Why, why can't we, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it has that cohesive togetherness that they do over there. Oh, I think it does. You think so? Be- yeah. Yeah. Are they, all the, the major ones talk to one another. Everybody knows one another. Mm-hmm. They all get together. So, yeah, it's, it's different. I mean, you have to be kind of in the inside to understand, but uh, they, they do. Uh, there's a, a lunch that happens every week. Well, it did happen every week at a, a, a Mexican restaurant. And it was just the people at Universal Mastering put it together just for their clients originally. And when that closed, they kept it going and opened it up to the LA community, recording community. And it's pretty fascinating because then you get to see everyone that's there. I mean, you get to see everybody from every studio. The only studio that isn't represented regularly or hardly at all is Westlake. Westlake is the one that's always kept an arm's distance from the rest of the studio community. But everybody else has always been very, very tight. Wow, well, that that's actually good to good to hear, good to know, because uh, it just shows you how out of it I am in the LA studios. Greener <laughs> on the other side, because <laughs> uh, I know it was, it just seems so homey in Nashville. But you know what? I think the other thing too, and, and now that I think about it, is the the location of all these studios in Nashville. You've got sixty five studios in a square mile in Berry Hill, and in LA. It's not going to be like it's that, that so, geographical distance it's, it's, here that is. just keeps people apart in so many ways, you know. Yeah, because like, uh, yeah, because for instance, you know, over in um, Berry Hill, you could be at uh, Blackbird, and then if you wanted to go and uh, you know go get some speakers, there's a speaker manufacturer down the street, and there's Westlake Pro Audio over here. I mean, it's just literally all within walking distance, so. Um, so, well, that's good. I'm glad, I'm glad, uh, LA has that and by golly, I got to figure out how to crack that nut. (laughs) Of course, Nashville is different now than it was before because you had the same thing, but it was all music row. Yeah. And now music row has moved to Berry Hill for the most part. Yeah. uh, I mean, you still have some things at, at music row, but all the big studios that are left are owned by, uh, the university by Belmont. They went in, they bought, you know, the, uh, the RCA, Studio A, Studio B, uh, Quonset Hut, uh, you know, all those big, fantastic old studios. There. And, and the, it was done for a reason. It, uh, Mike Curb actually bought all those studios and donated them to Belmont. And the reason being, he wanted to make sure that they didn't undergo the wrecking ball. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, that 
That's pretty incredible because I did know back in the day when um, Ben Folds, um, when he owned RCA Studio B, I think it's it's Studio it's, B, yeah, yeah. So we did a, a shoot there with Sonny Landreth, and they were talking about um, the possibility of of turning that studio into condos or offices yeah, because they were right. going to sell the building, and that would have been a shame because now. Um, you know, Dave Cobb's in there and he kept it. And it's, it's such a wonderful, wonderful facility. And it's just, it's phenomenal. Did you go to Ocean Way by any chance? Haven't been to Ocean Way in Nashville yet. No. Yeah, that's actually a one of a kind as well, because it's built in an old church. So the tracking room is an old church. I would, I'd love to go there. We went to House of Blues and uh, House of Blues has the most, incredible vintage api console it's this white console that is it just looks brand spanking new it's just that it's just gorgeous you just you look at the console and you're like why don't more people do stuff like that with consoles it's just it's yeah. so unbelievably beautiful you know it's not house of blues anymore it's right universal right music. yeah universal yeah. you know and um, they put two new rooms in they put two new immersive rooms in yeah, we actually we actually got a demo at in their Atmos room um, over there. It was uh, it was pretty cool. Which, mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, man, when it comes to immersive rooms, Blackbird Studio C is just you know that's Massenberg's old room that they turned into uh, immersive. It's it's the most unbelievable experience I've ever had listening to audio. Literally, it it it, it almost made me cry it got me choked up just hearing it would you say bliss it was like wasn't yeah. that the most amazing i couldn't even describe it like how would you describe that sound when you i, I don't know it was like <laughs> i was floating and i was in like the perfect dream and everything was perfect and i was listening to music and dancing like i don't even know it was yeah that's a great, a great way because it was so immersive we listened to um elton john's rocket man like you've never heard it before and and the emotion came out and you weren't just listening to the song you were immersed into the song you were like in it i mean i'm pro dolby atmos and i hope it does well but to get that experience the the technical requirements with all the speakers and everything i'm just glad i heard it at the mastering level because it was it's it's so phenomenal it's the most amazing Nothing will ever be the same (laughs) Uh, if it catches on what i'm sorry if it catches on yeah i don't i don't think it is though because it's like i said the it with all those um with all those multi-speaker you know audio requirements i just lost my screen (laughs) um i I just don't know if people are going to pay that much money. You well, know? The, whole, the whole idea was that people would begin to buy uh, Bluetooth speakers and the Bluetooth that with uh, blue Bluetooth 2.0, the audio quality has gone up considerably. So now that would actually, you know, make it pretty good. And there was also a, a whole line of um, immersive sound bars that came out that were supposed, I haven't heard them, but I heard they were very good. What they told me down at Capital was that all these consumer electronic manufacturers are constantly bringing in their gear to test, especially speakers, to test to see if they worked or not. And only a few did. So those are the ones that came out at CES. 
Wow. But there, there were more that were supposed to come out, but they didn't do the job. So I guess I don't, we don't know what's going to happen this year, but there is supposed to be a lot of new consumer speakers coming out that might have actually you know, prompted the whole thing to build a little bit. I mean, I hope it works, but like I said, anytime, like music, it's, it's, you can't require somebody to sit at, at a certain point yeah. to experience your music because music is kind of a passive, like you have it playing while you're doing something else. You know, the, the days of just sitting there, some people do, you just sit and listen to the album, but usually it's the secondary action of something else, you know? So I don't know, just that having that requirement, I just think is it's, it's not going to work in that respect. Well, it doesn't have, you don't have to sit in a sweet spot. That's the beauty. Uh, you can walk around the room. It's very forgiving. At it, least it, in a well done room. I mean, it is forgiving, but yet, I mean, there's nothing like being in the sweet spot. Like when I heard like, cause believe me, when we were at Blackbird and I was walking around and stuff like that, when I heard that, um, in the sweet spot, it was, it was amazing. I'll tell you something though. And I'll tell you what could catch on. Think about the reverse, the reverse of an Atmos system where you have all these speakers around you and you're listening to, um, you're listening to audio. We heard a demo where they placed microphones where all the speakers were um, in the room. And then they recorded that with live instruments in the room and, and the singer walking around. Then you play that back in that same environment unbelievable the spatial um the spatial separation and it's it was the weirdest thing i've ever heard it, it sounded like like it was almost like holographic in the sound because people were in front of you people were behind you like it was the holodeck from star trek <laughs> without there being any visuals and bliss you heard that too right it was the most incredible hyper real experience i mean that was crazy it was like people were everywhere around you it was like a live event but it was i look forward i look forward to the day when they really nail if they even can the multi-speaker headphone where you can buy where you take your incredible you know surround sound array with you and it actually does a good enough job in making you believe that something is above your head because I've never heard one that does yet. Um, and that allows you to really feel, you know, the notion of things that are in front of you and behind you and so forth. Have, I, you, you, know. play, have you played with uh, Waves uh, Abbey Road Studio 3 plugin? No. It's, they modeled Abbey Road Studio 3, the control room, which, you know, many people say that's the best sound in the world. I, I've not been. I don't know. But it is really incredible, and it works. Uh, it only works on headphones, but it works on anything from stereo up to X number of speakers or number of channels, I should say. And it was built on that. And not only that, you can get the head tracking device. So as you move, it's just like you're moving in the room. And, and it's, it's, it's scary good at that. So it's worth checking out. Sounds amazing. I mean, I've done like, you know, they have the NX plugins where it has the head tracking, that whole thing. And, and so I'd be, I'd be curious to do that because I've actually done in a pinch 5.1 mixes on headphones with the NX system and it, and it worked fine. So... That'd be pretty incredible. But I'll tell you, 
the 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 hollow deck feel that we got from a reverse atmos recording setup that that's that's phenomenal it's like you you almost feel like you could touch these people i i, I can't tell you how it, it was just weird it was like it was if you wanted to freak somebody out you would do this in a room and pretend like there's ghosts and people would think it would be haunted because it was so rude. So it would make the next perfect like haunted mansion thing. So anyway, well, Hey, listen, we're going to, we're going to have to start wrapping this up. Um, but uh, I want to thank Scott, Scott, thank you so much for joining us and sharing some of your wisdom and telling us some of your stories. It was really great. Well, thank you. And uh, thank all of you for uh, putting up with me and thank you for uh, every time I listen to one of these podcasts, I learn a lot. So I'm, Looking forward to hearing to this one and the next uh, several hundred as you guys keep cranking them out. Uh, so don't wait so long between episodes. <laughs> hey, we're doing one a week now, which is actually pretty yeah. good. Yeah, but I'm worried what the, that this is only an effect of the virus, right? <laughs> you well, guys will only get busier. So, I'll, I'll tell you what: having the remote uh, podcasting abilities that we have now, it, it it'll make it easier to do podcasts because unquestionably. Oh, trying, yeah. It's trying to get everybody around uh, the podcast table sometimes got to be a little difficult. <laughs> well, the other cool thing is that we get to see it, many of you or all the cool toys you have sitting in the background there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave your addresses out. I'll be breaking in today. <laughs> <laughs> You'll just have to bring some of your beautiful mics that you used in mic preamps for recording orchestra and maybe we can have a trade. So That's, that. right. Uh, That's right. You know, With, out of my cold dead hands anything but right, wait hold on one second scott meet rob rob meet scott <laughs> we'll have a separate uh, we'll have a like we'll, uh, a measurement um, standoff later on <laughs> uh, you guys sound, sound like like you know, connected souls with that. Well, anyhow, um, but yeah, thank you so much. And uh, Scott, really quick, what's your, what was your favorite podcast episode? Do you have one? Oh, out of all of the ones you've done? Or the ones that you listen to? Yeah. Anything? Stand I up? really like the ones where you uh, really trash avid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! yeah. Reaper rules. All right. <laughs> 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 wow uh, Nick, that, you, you just made you just oh, made Nick's night <laughs> you made my night Scott I already liked you man you're the best <laughs> alright I'm a fan of your YouTube channel Nick thank you thank you I appreciate that there we go well hey listen before we get going uh, anybody working on anything fun and exciting that they want to talk about Any, anybody have anything cool hmm Okay, really quick, I'm going to say something. So as everybody knows, I've said I'm working on this film uh, about uh, We Built the City and 80s music. And the conversation we had on music after the podcast last week was the most amazing music conversation. And we're going to have to redo that conversation on the podcast because it was really great. And uh, so, but yeah, so that's kind of fun. I've been working on that and there's some really fun stuff coming up with that. But uh, anybody else working on anything fun and exciting? Hey is Mike, where can we? Oh, sorry. Go on. No, I was going to say, Mike, is this. Go on, Brandon. You go. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I'm... Mike, where can we see your uh, your studio tours uh, documentaries? Uh, you can see spaces on the Audio Nowcast channel on YouTube. Audio Nowcast channel, and you're going to see us blasted more uh, info on that one because we have plenty of episodes now. 
So if you go to Audio Nowcast on YouTube and subscribe, you can see it. And um, there's some really fun ones coming up. Really, really fun ones coming up. That's all I can say is, yeah. We spent a year shooting a ton of, a ton of stuff and it was, it was really great. We had some amazing adventures and everything. Did a lot, of, a lot of stuff, even broke bones. It was crazy. It was, <laughs> <laughs> Boy. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> but yeah, and it's all documented. So cool. there you go. Nick, do you get to say something? Uh, is this going to be broadcast before May the 4th? This one? Yeah. Yeah, we're putting this up tomorrow. Then I will tell you next week. Okay. <laughs> That's something very cool that I did that I can't talk about yet. May the 4th be with you. I'll just leave it at that for now. <laughs> no! Ooh, I can't wait. <laughs> That's that's one of my favorite holidays. <laughs> I heard this year they're they're doing Revenge of the Fifth on on the fifth. <laughs> Revenge of the Fifth. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, Bobby, anything coming out? Anything you want to talk about? I have another program that I'm working on uh, that I think will benefit lot of people in the music industry uh, in terms of getting more work but uh we'll wait until we're a little closer on that all right and then i'm just going to call you after this and say can i get a sneak peek <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right how about how about you miss bliss what are the other fun stuff are you working on or can you talk about any of that stuff um working from home um working with some really amazing studios and letting my creative uh flag fly <laughs> oh, I got you win for the best looking background. I'm just gonna tell you that right off. That look, that just looks really Maybe good. For a different podcast, like uh, home interior design. <laughs> <laughs> just tell your mom that 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 looks awesome. So thank you. I will. That'll light her up. <laughs> All right. Well, if nobody else has anything to say, we'll wrap this up. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio at nowcastnetwork.com. And hey, if you have a great story or you have ideas for a guest, you know, you could be like Scott. He reached out to me. I reached back and he finds himself now part of the family. So, um, you know, dreams do come true. <laughs> oh, gee, dad. <laughs> <laughs> It's so great. <laughs> so fun. All right. Well, from, from myself and everybody here, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Stay inside, Joanne. Aw, Joanne. Thanks for listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Wireworld Pro Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and features a panel with Rob Arbitier, Bobby Osinski, Scott Gershon, Nick Peck, Diego Stucco, Brandon Birdside, Martin Page, Bobby Summerfield, and maybe a guest or two. We'll see you next time. <laughs>